Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 314. Well, it's Friday, and it's time to answer questions again. And I, just this last week, preached a message to the church where I serve as transitional pastor in Kingsport, Tennessee, on the Day of Atonement and the details of the ritual that was followed. I have been asked to repeat that on the podcast so that others can hear it. I am sorry that you cannot see the video and the pictures and slides and so forth that went along with this, so I'm going to do the best I can to paint the picture for you. You've got to realize that the Day of Atonement is the most solemn day in all of the Jewish Year. It is the appointed day when God says, I will meet with you. And according to the book of Leviticus, the people of God were to afflict their souls. That is, they were to discipline their souls and fast. No work was to be done. And I assure you, on this day in Israel, it is still a special day. I just read day before yesterday that 85% of all Israelis fast on this day, and many dress in white, which is a sign of purity, that they have afflicted their souls, they have repented, they have tried to reconcile where they can, and all of these things have to do with the sacredness of this day, because it was the day when sin was atoned for, and that's interesting that those of us who are living 2,000 years after the birth, the sinless life, and the substitutionary death of Jesus, his resurrection and ascension, that we often lose sight of just how solemn a day like this is, because we take for granted that our salvation is sealed once and for all. But for the Jews, this is a solemn day because this is the day that they believe that their names will either be written in the book of life for another year or in the book of death. So this is a special time, as you might imagine. And so what I want to do today is just kind of walk you through in the time we have together of what would have taken place on that day. Of course, I will leave out a lot of things. And so those of you who are pastors, don't start pecking me. You know that I left out this and left out that. Of course, I left it out. This is a 15 or 20 minute podcast and you cannot dive in and delve into the great rituals and routines of Yom Kippur in just a few minutes. But let me just read to you the scriptures. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 16, where we have the details laid out for that day. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and they died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at simply any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, the copperet, that is the hilasterion, this lid that was on this seat, 
is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. God said, you can't come to me any time that you want to. What a blessing we have that we can walk at any time into the presence of the Lord because of what Jesus has done for us. Verse 3 says, Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull and a sin offering and of a ram and a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban. He shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. You see, on the Day of Atonement, the beautiful woven piece of cloth that covered the priest, the high priest, the Kohen Haggadol, that we see so many times pictured with a beautiful breastplate on it. This was not what was worn that day. He was in total white, and he had breeches on under it. That is, he had long pants. Now remember, the brazen altar had a ramp leading up to it, not a steps, because when a man bends his knee to walk up steps, his nakedness can be seen from those under him, and the altar was very high, so they built a ramp so that the high priest, when he walked up there, his nakedness would not be seen on this holy day. And it says in verse 5, He shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering, and one as a ram as a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and his house. You see, Aaron made a couple of trips into the Holy of Holies that day. The reason was he had to, first of all, make atonement for himself and his family because he is a sinner. As he went in... It was very important that he got his business done with God and he came back out because people were afraid that he could be killed if he did something in the wrong way because already two sons of Aaron had been killed because they offered fire that had not come from God, had not come from the altar. This was saying to the people, you don't come any time you want to and you don't come any way you want to. You see, God is entirely holy. The scripture says he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And this is after he's offered through a ritual that I don't have time to lay out that he offered incense, he offered blood of the bull and the rams, the goats mixed together. And then Aaron went out front in front of everyone and he cast lots for these two goats. Whatever one that had the lot to the Lord, that is with the name of God upon it to be dedicated to him, that would be the goat that would be slaughtered and would be offered and its blood would be offered at the mercy seat one time. It would be offered upon the mercy seat, one sprinkle of blood, and then seven times before it. Now, this was on the eastern side, just as you walk in between the two posts. Remember, there were poles that were sticking out of the mercy seat that they carried it with, and those poles stayed in the Holy of Holies, and Aaron would walk and go between those, and he would offer this offering of incense, and he would offer this offering of blood one time on the mercy seat. That's all it took, but it was seven times before it where Aaron would be facing. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell that said to the Lord. It literally had that on the lot. 
as an offering for sin. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now here is something of what happened. You see, after Aaron made an offering for himself and his family, then he would cast lots. And the one goat would uh, have uh, all of the sins of Israel, all the categories of sin of Israel. There's three categories of sin in the Bible into which all sin is categorized. It's mentioned in 1 John chapter 2. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These were the three categories in which Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted in every category of sin. We are yet without sin. He was in total obedience to the Lord. And you can see those three categories of sin in the temptation as it is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And so this is why the writer of the book of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all points, all categories, all sections, as we are, yet without sin. And so after he had laid his hands on that goat's head, that goat would be slaughtered, its blood would be taken, and then he would lay his hands on the scapegoat and he would confess all the sins. Then he would tie a scarlet ribbon of wool around that goat's horns, and it would be led off into the wilderness. That goat was called the Azazel. This is the only time when that's mentioned in the Bible. And this Azazel would be taken out to the place that had been designated way outside of Jerusalem as you are going down toward Jericho. It would be taken into the wilderness and literally cast off of a cliff so that it would never wander back in. You see, you don't actually want the goat that represented taking all the sins of the people away, wandering back in the next day or two, finding its way back to Jerusalem. So they made sure that would not happen to fulfill the type that it was representing. In order that there would not be any kind of mishap, there were 10 stations along the way, according to the Talmud and tradition. And those 10 stations had food and water. Now remember, this was a day of fasting. So the priests, that was selected to lead this scapegoat, this Azazel, into the wilderness. As he would go by these stations, these priests would call out that were manning the stations, do you need refreshment? Because they did not want him in that desert heat. It's still in the fall of the year at this time of the year, very hot there still in Jerusalem. So they didn't want him dehydrating. And so there were allowances made for him to be able to be refreshed if need be. Now, there is no record wherever whatsoever that anyone on this great fast day that ever led the scapegoat to the wilderness ever uh, received any kind of refreshment. But it's interesting that along the way, all of these were inside of each other and to where the scapegoat was uh, cast off of this bluff, whenever that was accomplished, they would give a signal all the way uh, through these 10 stations back to the temple and the high priest so that they would know that indeed the atonement had been made. Now it's fascinating as you read history and as you read the Talmud, as you read the accounts of the Day of Atonement, that this scarlet ribbon 
this scarlet wool that was tied around this goat's horns as they led it to the place where it would be cast off the cliff. When they got to that designated place, they would take the ribbon off of the scapegoat. They would tie it around a rock and then they would cast off this goat to its death. Down through the ages, it has been recorded that every year when that happened, that that ribbon, as soon as that scapegoat died, that that ribbon would turn to white. Now, before you totally discount that, let me just tell you, God has done many things like this down through the centuries, and he does this to show that it's supernatural. And before you discount it, and before you say, well, we have no record of that, I want to remind you that every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, they understood the history, the geography, and the cultural customs of the day. Now, I believe Isaiah understood this because he said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Could Isaiah have had in mind the Day of Atonement? I think he could have. Because, you see, then it would be shouted from messenger and from respite spot to respite spot, all of these scouts, till it got back to the high priest in Jerusalem, in the temple, and the Day of Atonement and the ceremonies would come to a close as far as the open public ceremonies. The doors of the great temple would be shut. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but I wanted to just help you to understand something of the ritual, the magnificence, the awe, the holiness of that day. Now, I want to say to you that our sins have been atoned for. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins once for all. We've got to remember again that the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. It's not an animal dying for a man as a substitute. That was only to give the Israelites, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, a reminder that one day God would send an anointed one, one promised to Adam in the garden that would crush the head of Satan, that would win a great victory, that would overcome death. And indeed, Jesus did that when he rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits to fulfill that great Moed, that appointed day after Passover and during the week of unleavened bread, after that Shabbat of Passover, you had the first day of the week, and that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And as that single sheaf was offered from the barley harvest, the best of the barley harvest, so it was that the Lord Jesus offered up his own body as an offering. And that first fruits was called called the first fruits because it was the promise of more to come. This is why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the first fruits and because he rose from the dead you and I will rise from the dead. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul said if in this life only we have hope of Jesus, we are of all men most miserable. Now every now and then I'll hear someone in the United States or someone in Europe that's lived a wonderful persecution-free life say, "Well, you know, my life life's been blessed and easy in every way. Well, 
that may be true, but you've got to remember that the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was beaten over and over again. Because you see, when you're living in a life of persecution, ask some of those that are living in Middle Eastern countries. Ask those who are living under the Taliban if it is easy watching your wife and your children die before your very eyes, seeing your husband's head roll off of his shoulders. I want to tell you, this life is filled with sorrow and woe for most of the world that are followers of Jesus. And it may be so for us one day, but we have hope that this life is not the end for the child of God. It's a brand new beginning when we die a new existence with the Lord in heaven in paradise, and then heaven is to follow, a new heaven and a new earth. I wish I had time to talk about that. I just wanted to give you some details of this sacred time of the year. Next week, we're going to continue with the special season that we're in, and uh, we'll talk about tabernacles and these special days that we're living in, and ask God to help us to be obedient to Him, and to walk in the righteousness and in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.